Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 364. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. Hi. How are those uh, murder hornets treating you? Uh, I haven't seen any. That's good. That's good. No, no murder hornets. Not yet. Just when you think 2020 can't get more ridiculous, there's news of murder hornets. I was reading somewhere though that like murder hornets have been here for a little bit. Like they've been here for a little, like a couple years already. Oh really? I thought that they just like they're they just started spotting them here. I don't know. What, I mean, maybe there's more of them. There's just more. We have a surplus of murder. <laughs> a surplus of yeah. murder hornets. Either way, it's bad. <laughs> Nature's returning, and it's awful. This week on the show, we'll be talking about Quentin Dupio's latest deer skin. We'll also be going over some what we're watching on the watch list and new releases on VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to view, review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be super helpful. One bit of housekeeping, there is a new Ryan Watches a movie this week. Uh, it's another it's another good one. It's another good one that uh, he very much liked. Just to give yeah. a little hint. Yeah. He, he, yeah, he, he dug it big time. He wanted action this week, so we gave him some pretty intense action. All right, let's talk about deerskin. I have a synopsis here. A man's obsession with his designer deerskin jacket causes him to blow his life savings and turn to crime. Now, you might ask, well, what what happens here with this deerskin jacket? How how could a deerskin jacket turn one's life to crime? Well, this this movie definitely explores that in in a lot of uh peculiar ways. So, if you're familiar with Quentin Dupio's stuff, we've talked about him a lot on this show. In the past, we've we've even had him on the show. So you and you and I, Kevin, are pretty big fans of his work. His his absurdist humor, yeah. and it just seems like every one of his movies is like a little bit more refined than the last. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think the same. I think the same can be said about Deerskin. I think in a lot of ways, this is is his most refined, and it almost feels like he is sort of melding or like mutating into Yorgos Lanthimos. Like I I feel like those two directors, their style is very quickly becoming as one. Cause to me, this movie felt very Lanthimos inspired. Yeah. But I would give, I would give DPO the, the edge. I think he does comedy better. Mm. To me, he does. He just does comedy better, and I don't. And I don't know if that's just if, if, like if we connect on a on a sense of humor angle, you know. But I I will agree with you. It's very refined. I mean, it's very short. I mean, this is like a a distillation of what he's been doing. And uh, I think be, since uh, like 2014 with Reality, and to keep an eye out which I still think is his best. And then now with Deerskin, it's just, there's, there's a maturity to his absurd humor, like this ridiculous, which I think was, I've talked about, you know, a couple of times before when we discuss his other movies, but well, like when I saw like wrong and like that kind of thing, it seemed like he was trying way too hard. Like he was packing like every scene with just so much 
surrealty and absurd stuff and just it's like just nonstop, just so much. But here it's like it just works so much better because he's he's really defined, he's laser focused in, he's got what is a really, really simple story and he just knows how to tell it. And it's extremely entertaining. And the the absurdity in this is not so much individual seemingly random pieces it's more the story as a whole is complete absurdity a man becomes obsessed with a deerskin jacket like that that really is the story of this he just he becomes so infatuated with this jacket and first of all i love it when he first lays eyes on the jacket and how he it's like Stendhal syndrome where he just becomes overwhelmed with emotion when he sees this jacket and it's killer style that it brings. I just love every time he sees deer skin, anything it's just, he's just like, fuck that. That was the other thing that I loved about it was that as the movie progressed, he was like leveling up his deer skin wardrobe. So he starts with the jacket and then he gets a hat and then he has the, I can't remember what came first, the boots or the gloves. And then he gets the pants and the pants. Yeah, he gets the pants and then it's just, it's like, you know, three pieces of the Triforce. <laughs> he just holds that shit out and he, he has all the power. Yeah. And I do love it. I mean, the way he gets the hat is kind of ridiculous in itself. It's all ridiculous. It I mean, is. He gets the jacket and his bonus is a, 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 a camcorder. Mm-hmm. And he so he decides to become a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden he's a filmmaker. What I thought was funny was so so he meets uh he's staying at this hotel. Let, let's let's back up a little bit, give a little bit of backstory. So Jean Dujardin plays George, who is this guy who is seemingly in some kind of midlife crisis. He's going through a divorce. He is on the road with nowhere to go. So he stops in this little town in the French Alps, which by the way is a beautiful little town. I loved the setting. This town was just incredible. And he stays in this hotel and he meets this bartender uh, played by Adele Hanel, who you probably know from uh, portrait of a lady on fire. And the two kind of hit it off because he has this camcorder and he's just shooting random stuff. And she tells him that she's an editor and he's like, Oh, well you can start editing my footage. But then he starts like, cause his, his wife froze their bank account. So he needs money. So he's like basically hustling her for money. And she, um, what I thought was funny was that somehow she had this little portable video <laughs> player thing <laughs> like that, that could handle those little, I don't know what kind of, they weren't even mini TV tapes. I don't even know what format those were, but somehow she, she just so happened to have this player that could handle this footage. And she sort of becomes like enthralled by what he's doing, like this project. She completely buys into it. And then, so he has this accomplice and he starts having conversations with the jacket and he decides that, his his jacket should be the only jacket, so he goes out on a quest to get rid of all of the jackets of the world. Oh god! <laughs> and that's just that's kind of and it 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 takes a turn at one point. 
uh, like the synopsis mentioned, where he turns to a life of crime, it uh, it gets pretty dark, like surprisingly so at one mm-hmm. point, which really kind of threw me for a loop, which was funny, though, like as I was watching it, I, I pulled up the IMDb page to look at something like, I don't know what I was looking for, some some information about the movie. Oh, I think I was looking for where it was shot. And I happened to see that under the genres, it said comedy horror. And I'm like, this isn't, this isn't a horror movie. Like, what, what is, what is the, what are the horror elements here? And then, like, five minutes later, it happened, and I'm like, oh, I yeah. see where this is coming from now. Because I was kind of thinking the same thing. Is you know, this he turns to a life of crime, and you're pretty, you're somewhat deep into the movie, and I'm thinking he's not really doing anything criminal, uh, of like hustling people, but yeah. and then. You know, he starts to dismantle a ceiling fan. And I mean, there's just, and I don't know what it is, but him driving with the car door open with the this ceiling fan blade grinding it on the street. It's just like, okay, we're, something's about to get kicked off here. Hey. He's working on something. <laughs> yeah. And then he showed him cutting up the melon. And he's like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. This is what's going to yeah, happen here. Gets, and, yeah, it gets extremely dark, which, again, I like, I mean, Dupio, you don't really know what you're getting into. I mean, you kind of do. You know it's going to be absurd and everything, but it's it's insane to me that he still surprises me, even though that I know going in, okay, this is a Dupio movie. It's going to be, it's going to go off on some weird tangent, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm ready for it. But yet, I'm still never truly ready for it because it always ends up, you know, he picks a path that's <clears throat> completely different than what I'm expecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And you saw this before I did. And, and you told me, you're like, well, yeah, I didn't see that coming. And I'm just, I'm, I think I responded something like, well, you know, what, it's a guy who gets obsessed with the jacket. Like, where could this go? So I, I actually kind of thought, like, I was going into it at least having a, an idea of what to expect, but it, uh, yeah, it, it definitely, it Dubio is a director that will always keep you on your toes. Like, even if you yeah. think, you know, where things are headed, he always takes that hard right turn and you're just like, Oh, okay. All right. Well, I guess this is, this is the movie. Now we're in a different, completely different vibe here. <laughs> this is not at all. Like, what happened in the first half. And I really appreciate that. Like, I, I think that he is one of the more, uh, creative, endearing directors to watch these days because he's always <laughs> trying different stuff. Like he's always doing new things and you never know what to expect from him, but you always know. I mean, one thing that you can expect is that it's going to be something entertaining. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's really fun in terms of like, what you're in the mood for or what you're looking for in a movie, more than likely Dupio is making something that you never thought of. I mean, you go into it, like who's ever sat down and be like, you know what? I could go for a movie kind of like absurd, but it's like a horror movie and it, it revolves around like a jacket. That would be cool. Like you, like you can't really even think of this stuff. We were talking like about this. Be in the mood for it. Yeah, we were talking about this before we started recording, and it was it was so funny that you brought this up because I was I actually wrote it down and was going to bring it up during this review, but 
this whole movie reminded both of us of the Terrence Malick IMDb photo of him. Yeah. And at this point, we're both convinced that Quentin Dupio saw the Terrence Malick IMDb photo and decided to adapt that into a movie. Yeah. It's got to be. And it look, I mean, that picture alone looks like Malick has, is having, he's in the midst of an, uh, an epiphany. And that epiphany is, I love this hat that's on my head currently. I want deer skin everything. <clears throat> and I'm just, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be stopped until I get deer skin everything. And eliminate all other jackets from existence. Eliminate everything. Yeah. All of them. There's only Which one I jacket. Lo- I mean, that, I did love that. That was, to me, I think that was the funniest part. I forget what guy it is, but the guy's like, I, I need my jacket. And he's like, no, I have documented proof that you're fucked. And just the way that Desjardins delivers that, I mean, he's he's absolutely perfect in this movie. His 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 deadpan delivery just works perfectly. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's a hundred percent serious the whole time. Like this guy, he's not he's not fucking around. Like he he is dead serious about this deerskin stuff. And I I thought that Adele Hanel did a really great job <laughs> too. She she was incredible in this as well. Yeah, for me, for me, this was uh, a movie that was firing on all cylinders from the moment that it started. I was just glued to the screen. It's short too. You already mentioned that, but it, it's less than an hour and a half. It's like an hour and seventeen minutes, according to IMDb. So yeah. it's it's a it's breezy too. It, it it gets in and gets out. It's it's not overly long. It's not bloated. It is the perfect length for a story like this. Now with you. You know how this movie starts out with him kind of going to the countryside or whatever just to pick up this jacket. You know, this is something that I imagine he's been staking out on the Internet looking for a jacket. Like at some point he just decided, you know, I need a deerskin jacket or maybe he stumbled across it on, you know, on the Internet. And he's like, oh, my God, this is what I need. So my question is, what would I present to you? Because he's in the midst of either in the midst of a divorce or the divorce is kicking off because he just decided to leave. Do you think the deerskin jacket caused the divorce or he got the deerskin jacket and he's like, you know what? I'm not leaving this place. I have the deerskin jacket now. This is my new life. I I think it's the latter. The deerskin jacket itself seems like that's like his his like convertible or his motorcycle, you know? Yeah. Like that, that's the midlife crisis item. And I think that maybe the, just him. So I think that his marriage was probably already crumbling by the time he found the jacket. Yeah. And then it just, it gives him this sense of purpose, you know? And I feel like there is somebody, cause you know, you always have DPO is always kind of doing, it feels all, um, similar in a way to like reality because it has that filmmaking aspect to it where it seems like it could be a comment on filmmaking. I'm not sure how, honestly, like the way that it works out, but I feel like there's something there, but at the same time, I'm not entirely sure what it is. Yeah. I don't, I'm sure that there is, I'm sure that there is a heavy amount of 
subtext involved as with most of his his movies there's also this like sort of alluring quality this 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 intangible ability that the that the jacket has it's like almost like a, a supernatural quality because what happens towards the end i'm not going to spoil anything but adele hanel sort of gets under its spell so there's there's almost a, a supernatural quality to it as well it's killer style dude it's killer style that's what it is yeah do you not do you not want to have style that's you what didn't? it is but, uh, yeah and i mean she's the filmmaker let's be honest because mm-hmm. he has no idea what he's doing but she's turning it into something so again i feel like there's the you know a comment there on editors yeah you could easily draw that comparison i don't know it's just it's fun it's i i mean between reality keep an eye out and deer skin now i mean this run of three films from him god damn mm-hmm. i fucking love it he's uh yeah i mean he he's definitely cranking him out at this point he's um also he's got a new one that's coming out yeah and did you did you read the synopsis for that one? <laughs> Two simple-minded friends discover a giant fly in the trunk of a car, decide to domesticate it to earn money with it. It's called mandibles. Which, to me, yeah, which to me sounds like he's going to do absurd comedy with it has to be a um like a Gondry angle to it. Right? Because you gotta have he's you know he's gonna do it's gotta be practical this giant fly. You would think so. You would so, think so. I mean, sign me up. Give it to me. I want it now. Yeah, I mean, this is the director that did Rubber, the giant, there the the sentient killer tire that could make people's heads explode. So yeah, and I mean, it's kind of deer skin's kind of that, but. It, the jacket itself just wants all jackets gone, but it doesn't have the ability to do it. So it gets other people to do it. What I'm, what I was wondering is like the previous owner, like there was no indication, there, there was no indication that it, it held any influence over the previous owner. No, because remember he only wore it like once mm-hmm. and then it, it fell out of style. Yeah. He threw it in that. In the trunk. Yeah. So maybe that was it. Maybe. Oh man. Yep. And then it got unleashed. <laughs> I do have to say, though, like for Jean Dujardin, it was too short in him. It's like it looked bad. It didn't look good. Oh, it looked ridiculous. It looked absolutely <laughs> ridiculous with the tassels and stuff. And he was so obsessed with all the little tassels. I don't know if that's what they're called, but that's what I'm calling. It just them. needed to be. It, it, it just needed to be a little bit longer, and it would have been okay. What if it was like a duster? I mean, what, what, what if it was like duster length? Would it look better then? Be like wider? Dude, if, it was a, if it was a duster, this would have been an entirely different movie. <laughs> it would have been like a Shin Godzilla, like he gets the purple lasers mm. and just like annihilates an entire country. Like a duster's <laughs> too powerful. Uh, I loved how he wore, after the first the first time, he then wore that like plastic raincoat thing when he went out <laughs> don't want to mess it up uh, through the roof of the car <laughs> yeah that was 
Oof. Roof of the car. Oof. Uh, all right. Yeah. Both of us, I think it's safe to say that we can both highly recommend Deerskin. It is available on VOD right now. I believe it is a virtual theatrical deal through Greenwich. So check that out. Support your local theater. I think, uh, I think if you rent it now, 50% of the proceeds go to a local theater of your choosing. So uh, I, would, I would recommend giving it a rental right now. Let's go ahead and give it a yeah. score. Now, uh, I should mention also, we do have a written review for this up on the site. Chris reviewed this back when it played at TIFF uh, in like September of last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Kevin, what are you going to give Deerskin out of 10? I'm like an eight and a half. Whoa. Wow. I'm sitting at around a seven and a half, eight on this. I'm, I'm like an eight. Solid eight. Right. Yeah, solid eight. Deerskin. All right, let's talk about some of what I'm watching. I had a pretty light week this week. I've been, you know, I, I, I'm i not the only one who has said this. Maybe we even talked about it on the show before. And I know I definitely talked about it with you. But when this whole, like, quarantine thing started happening, I was thinking to myself, oh, man, I'm going to watch so many movies. It's going to be like uh-huh. just sitting around well, watching movies all day. And I have almost no motivation have almost Can't no motivation to watch movies. Thankfully, I've been playing a lot of video games to keep myself entertained. Yeah. But yeah, buddy. for some reason, like the movies is, I don't, I don't know what it is. Don't know what it is. And, and no, also, I started, I started a whole new life, a whole new video <laughs> gaming life. You're a hardcore gamer now. I mean, I'm hitting you up on Slack. How, how often? A, a lot. Every day. It's, <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Actually. I'm just like, such and such game sets. 70% off, 50% off. Can you believe this shit, Adam? You're just like, God damn, this fucking guy. Uh, it's, it's incredible. I love it. But I, d- I did watch a few things. Uh, the first thing that I'll mention is Heathers. This is directed by Michael Lehman. I never saw Heathers. Now, this is a movie that I've seen bits and pieces of like a million times over the years because this is a movie that played on Comedy Central all the time. This was one of these mm-hmm. like heavy rotation on comedy central and it was just on there nonstop. And every time I would see like a little bit of it, I'd be like, "Ugh, this just looks so awful. Like I had no interest in it whatsoever. And I always heard good things. So it wasn't like that. I didn't want to see it. And I think the big, a big part of it is like when it was in that heavy rotation, I was a lot younger and I just, it looked more like a, like a rom-com that was just a little bit on the darker side, mm-hmm. but um, it played on the last drive in this weekend. And so I watched it and I was really pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed Heather's. It is just the right kind of twisted, dark humor for me to, to really latch on to. And I, I think that the what's, maybe the strongest element of the movie is it's it's writing it's script is just so funny and bizarre that uh i really enjoyed it this is early early roles for winona Ryder, christian slater shannon doherty and uh it's a lot of fun if you're if you're into dark comedies if you're not familiar with the plot it's basically about uh, winona Ryder plays this high schooler who her all of her friends are named Heather. There's like three different Heathers, and 
Christian Slater comes to the school and he's like sort of the bad boy. He's like the bad boy new kid. And through a series of events, they end up killing one of the Heathers and they stage it as a suicide. And eventually they start murdering more of the Heathers and it kind of escalates from there. And it's sort of all about teen suicide and it's just really dark uh, it's a movie that would never get made in a million years like today. Like the, the this would never even be considered just how the, the topics that it deals with and stuff. But yeah. it, it is absolutely worth checking out Heathers. Apparently it's on Shudder. I didn't even know. I like how you say Heathers. Heathers? I don't know why. Yeah. Do I say it weird? It's just, it worked. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably say it weird. Don't say it right. <laughs> I watched Ma with Octavia Spencer. Uh huh. Man, this is this is bad. This is a bad movie from Kate Taylor. It's so weird because like the way it's filmed, it sets itself up, and about midway through, you're thinking, okay, this movie's gonna get ridiculous. It's it's just it's ridiculous. It's silly. Octavia Spencer is just having the time of her life. Okay, if this movie just leans completely into that, into the just the absurdity of all of this, but it doesn't at all. It just it decides to like play it straight, kind of, and it it just it completely falls apart at the end. I mean, it it sets the stage to be like this really fun, campy, like horror movie even though there's not a whole lot of horror stuff up until like the end. I mean, it all just all kind of culminates at the end and that's when the horror elements come in, but it, it just, it seems like it's just completely disinterested in that angle and it just fizzles out. Mm. It's terrible. It's just bad. It's there's something there. It just took a wrong turn. That's unfortunate. Yeah. I, I didn't see Ma just, because I had heard the same thing from others that it just was underwhelming and disappointing. Wait, and you kind of get like geared up because like Octavia Spencer's character kind of like snaps at a certain point and she just, I mean, she's already kind of unhinged, but where she like kind of like goes off the deep end and she's playing it like this is going to be ridiculous and kind of fun and just batshit insane. But then like it, it never takes her there. She's ready for it. She's game, but it just never takes her to that, to that end. And that is Ma. I saw Spaceship Earth. This come. This is a documentary that comes out f- this Friday. It's directed by Matt Wolf, and it's about the a, the group of biospherians who, in 1991, they went into a giant biosphere and lived there for two years. And it's about mm. the the journey to get there, like who who these people are, where they came from, like what their group is, what they're all about. It's basically, they're they're a commune that kind of borders on cult. Like I don't know if I would call them a cult, but it's they certainly straddle that line. I think I think any like commune or even any even a lot of companies I think could be considered cults in a certain, in a certain regard. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah. they, they definitely had sort of a cult like vibe, but not nearly, not like anything 
too crazy. At any rate, they did a lot of projects. They, they, they There was one project that they did where they built a giant ship and sailed it around the world. And this was one of their, this was certainly their most ambitious pro- project to create this fully sustainable biosphere that allowed for human life, sustainable human life for a hundred years. And it was completely sealed. It was out in the desert and they brought in like all kinds of plants and animals and everything. And there was, uh, the, the first test was they took eight of them, eight, eight volunteers and put them inside of this thing and had them try to live there for two years. And the results were varied. There was a lot of controversy around it. This got a lot of press when it, when it first happened, a lot of people were intrigued by this and um, eventually any scientist that looks at this would just find it to be completely laughable because of, how poorly they set this this whole thing up there were way too many variables and there were outside influences like at one point one of them got injured and they had to leave the biosphere to get surgery and then come back and they were like oh well it should be fine as long as she leaves doesn't like do anything that would like contaminate her body or whatever, and then come back. Like she's not going to eat any food when she's out there. She's not going to wash her hands or anything. She's just going to come right back after the surgery. Well, she comes back, but she has two duffel bags full of supplies with her. Like she brings in like computer parts and stuff. And it's like, well, okay, well that right there pretty much destroys this whole experiment. And then later they found out that they installed a CO2 scrubber. They secretly installed a CO2 scrubber. I don't know if like the eight volunteers even had any idea that it was there, but that was installed to help with the CO2 levels. And of course that pretty much negated all their data as well. And then later on they found out that there was additionally oxygen being pumped into the biosphere too, which was even worse. So it was just kind of a pointless endeavor in a lot of ways, but the documentary is pretty fascinating nonetheless. And there's, there's kind of, there's, there's some surprises in there too. Uh, I'll say that Steve Bannon plays a role in this of all people. Go away. Steve Bannon. The the director of this movie, this, this is a pretty straightforward talking head doc. There's, there's some, some creative flourishes in here that, that are good. The, the music is really good in it. Uh, this is the guy who did that movie teenage. Remember that movie where it was just like, yeah. he, he used archival footage, like tons of archival footage to sort of explore the, the, the birth of youth culture. And he also did that movie recorder, the Marion Stokes project, which I wanted to see oh, that. Okay. I, didn't, I, I didn't get a chance to see that yet, but it's about the lady who recorded TV for 24 hours a day for 30 years. Yeah. Why? I like that. That's the main reason I want to watch that. It's just, I want to get the answer why and then turn it off. I mean, can you, why would you do that? 70,000 tapes, 70,000 tapes. Uh, it, it says in the synopsis that it was a form of activism, but I'm not, yeah, I, I want to see this. I think I'm going to have to see this. Incredible. 
uh, I saw The Wake, which is the sequel to The Wave. The Quake. So exactly. The, the disaster movie. I thought you said The Wake. No, The Quake. Yeah. Maybe I said No, The Quake, which is a sequel to The Wave. But I'm pretty sure you said The, the Wake. Yeah, I might have. Who knows? <laughs> well, there's definitely... There, I mean, there was wakes for both of them because a lot of people died both mm-hmm. movies. Because mm-hmm. you had the, the first one is a uh, disaster movie about a giant wave that hits Norway and takes that and he like survives. He's a geologist and he survives it. It's the same guy, right? Mm-hmm. So he survived the wave, him and his family. His wife took the kids and they moved to Oslo and he's just, he's an absolute wreck and he can't move on and he can't be around his kids and everything. But he ends up going to Oslo because of a, a buddy of his, you know, another geologist has died. And he's like, what was his, what was my buddy working on? Well, apparently he was working on, you know, there's a big earthquake coming. It's going to just completely obliterate Oslo. So uh, it's the same thing of him, like going to the people in charge and being like, look, there's going to be a devastating earthquake. You guys just don't see it. I see it. My buddy saw it before he died. You got to do something. And I'm like, no, nah, it's fine. It's just construction. And then guess what? Quake happens, just like the wave. And then it's, you know, you're kind of like your standard disaster pick. But the the weird thing with this one is, it's like the disaster portion of it is really, really short. It takes place in a Radisson. Nice. Which is another odd thing. There's, there's some weird um, product placement. One is one of the guys in charge. He's bringing back Burger King. Like they show a lot of Burger Kings for being <laughs> Norway, which is weird. <laughs> and they show a lot of Radisson's which is also odd. And then it takes place in a Radisson because it's where his wife works. Hmm. And essentially Radisson gets like split in half and then like the top half like crumples in on it. And of course they're in that portion and they got to try and get out. And, uh, but yeah, like as a disaster movie, it just, it, it was, eh. I mean like the, the effects and stuff like the quake or yeah, the quake, the effects and stuff like the wave, they're good. They're good effects. It's just with the quake, it's just really, really short compared to like what the wave was. I own both of these movies and yet I have not watched either one. I've been meaning to watch Why them. Why do you own them? I, I don't know. There was a deal or something. I don't know. <laughs> and I haven't watched either one. Like I, I wanted to like a long time ago when, when the quake came out, I was like, oh, I got to watch these movies. And then I just never got around to it. The wave is good. Quake. Not so much. Mm. Uh, the last one I saw was Extraction. This is by Sam Hargrave. Uh, this is the, this is on Netflix. It's the one with Chris Hemsworth. It's an action movie. Mm-hmm. Big action yeah. movie. Lots of action going on. Lots of shooting. Lots of guns. Killing. Death. Mm. And blood and violence. It's, it's uh, pretty bad. It starts off really, oh. really kind of generic, bland. And then all of a sudden... There is this absolutely incredible action sequence. It's all done in this sort of faux single take style. And there were some moments where I was like just stunned with the camera work and how they managed to do it. This movie takes place in Mumbai. So a lot of it is on like very busy, congested streets and stuff like that. And and you're the scene starts with this car chase slash shootout on this like 
these busy streets. So there's a lot of, a lot of moving parts and the camera's like going behind cars. It starts off with like following a car and then it like goes past the car and then it backs up and then it goes inside the car. And it was just incredible. And the, the whole sequence was like, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes long. It was really long. They're going. Yeah. yeah, And then like at one point they're going through buildings. So like the camera's like going through all of these different, like little apartments and stuff. And there's like chasing and shooting. And it was just really, really, really impressive. After that sequence, things got pretty bland again. Overall, the story here is non-existent. Chris Hemsworth plays this like, grizzled ex-soldier who specializes in like extracting people from like hot zones and stuff i guess and he gets hired Mm -hmm. he gets hired to save this kid who is the son of a drug lord who was kidnapped by another drug lord and that's all you really need to know like he just he grabs the kid and he has to get the kid to safety and that's that's pretty much it it's pretty much wall-to-wall action which is fine, but the problem is it's not all it's it's not completely wall to wall action. And during the moments where it's like more quiet, you have these like really lame, kind of sentimental moments with Chris Hemsworth where he's like crying about his dead son or something, and it's just all of it feels so disingenuous and so melodramatic and it doesn't really fit with the fact that we just saw him murder like 150 guys five minutes ago so oh you do get to see him uh there's there's one scene when he gets assaulted by a group of like child soldiers (laughs) so you see him beat the shit out of a whole bunch of kids oh my god yeah yeah it was incredible (laughs) <laughs> oh god other than that it's it's pretty forgettable i would i would actually recommend just watching that one scene just that one action scene because that's that's worth a look but the rest of the movie it's like it's like ong bak you know it's like yeah. you, you put on ong bak and you fast forward through all everything that's not a tony ja action scene yeah the only other thing i watch which might help me get back into movies in the month of May. That's a uh, criterion channels um, programming for this month is pretty phenomenal. If you have criterion channel, take a look at what they added for this month. A lot of stuff on there, at least for me, a lot of stuff that I've been wanting to see for a long time. Uh, one of which is uh, Billy Woodbury's bless their little hearts from 1983. So this is a movie directed and edited by Billy Woodbury but the writer and the cinematographer is Charles Burnett. And in that, it feels a lot like a Charles Burnett movie. Uh, it's got a score from Archie Shep, who I'm a fan of, jazz musician. And uh, it's a black and white. Uh, Nate Harbin plays a, a guy looking for a job. He's always looking for a job. Can't really find one. Um, it's one of those movies that's just kind of slice of life in and out. You know, very episodic and everything. And uh, his marriage is kind of, you know, having having some issues with him never being able to find work because his wife is always working. She's the one doing all the work, kids doing the work. Um, and there is a particular scene towards the end where they kind of have like a blow up. 
and Casey Moore, who plays the wife. I mean, you want to talk about like Hall of Fame marital spats in a movie? This is up there. This is like top five. And she, I mean, she kills the scene. I mean, she's incredible. So if, if you haven't seen Place There, Little Hearts, do so. Yeah, this looks really good. It's, it is good. It is really good. Cool. All right. If you have the Criterion channel, you can watch it on there. I wonder if they're giving away, like, if Criterion's doing some sort of uh, free trial or something. I don't know. Let's and see. The other thing that I'm excited for is uh, Cane River, the movie that was, uh, I think it was Oscilloscope remastered that came out, like, earlier this year, I think, mm-hmm. or towards the end of last year. That's on Criterion channel. Oh, yeah. Correct. Cool. Yeah, it looks like a, you can get a 14-day free trial. There you go. And after that, it's ten ninety nine a month or 100 bucks a year. Oh, and they added a bunch of Jackie Chan and, uh, uh, oh, God damn, what's the other guy's name? Sam, is Sammy Hum? Sammo Hum? Sammo Hum, Sam- yes. Hum. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, uh, they're, they're th- that um, police story collection that they released was excellent. Yeah, I'm really liking this new. It seems like ever since Criterion Channel opened up, like they've they've branched out into a lot of different avenues. You know, they, it seems like they're embracing more of like what the film world has to offer outside of just like, hey, here's here's these very important French films from the '60s and '70s. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually don't have Criterion Channel yet, but. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to have to pull the triggers pretty soon. Cause I, I get emails with their lineups every month and I'm just like, Oh, Oh, Oh. And yeah, yeah, I haven't, I haven't done it yet, but it might be time soon. Do it. All right. Let's take a look at what we have on VOD this week. Got the plagiarists. This is on the fifth. We got, we got the Jack in the box. It's a horror movie. Got human zoo. Another horror movie. Accommodations. And we got Arkansas. That looks like a looks like a crime thriller. We got Working Man. We got Saint Francis. That's going to be on oscilloscope. That one looks like it could be okay. Pretty good thing. Yeah. We got Cry Havoc. This is the latest from the the guy. What's it? I can't remember his name. The guy that is looks like Charles Bronson. <laughs> oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I can't remember his name. I only I only know him because of you. Uh, on the seventh, we have driveways. We have the delicacy. Now that's on a streaming service called Psalm TV. If you remember the documentary Psalm about Somaliers, mm-hmm. they they have I guess the creators of that started up a streaming service that is all about food called Psalm TV, and this is I guess maybe one of their first documentaries i don't know it's it's called the delicacy and it's about sea urchins and how people like to eat them yeah. for some reason okay jerry right. did you ever have sea urchin no no thank you <laughs> i don't think i have ever had it either i remember seeing it on the menu of restaurants that i i've been to before but i never felt adventurous enough to give it a shot yeah yeah. On the eighth, we have Valley Girl. This is the remake, the the musical remake of Valley mm. Girl. It's kind of this is kind of an interesting thing that this exists here. I don't know how to feel about it, honestly. I mean, I probably won't be seeing it, but 
uh, Walk Away Joe. We have A Good Woman is Hard to Find. Rewind. That's a documentary. How to Build a Girl. This is going to be out on IFC. And it's uh, with Beanie Feldstein. Crushed. This is a virtual theatrical release. We have The Wrong Missy. This is on Netflix. We have Hope Gap. This is with Annette Benning and Bill Nighy from the looks of it. We have... And then finally, we have Clementine. This is another virtual theatrical release. And oh, I think I've seen that. You saw Clementine? I'm pretty sure. I'm almost certain. Is it a, is it a tense rumination on who to love and how to let go? Um, maybe. Yeah. Is it directed by Laura Gallagher? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. It's uh, it, uh, oh, I have a I have a VOD online premiere and that's a feast of the epiphany which has been on my you know i anticipated for like how many years running it's going to be may 8th that's going to be on vimeo on demand with all proceeds going to uh the moving image museum of the moving image in new york it's a good museum been there a few times there you go it's in queens queens let's move on and talk about some blu-ray releases we have blood. We have bloodshot. Oh yeah, I don't recommend that. We have the lodge. That's worth a look. We yeah. have Gretel and Hansel from mm. earlier this year. I, I do want to see that. I'm I'm interested in that. Tigers are not afraid. We haven't seen that yet. Definitely recommend checking that out. Also, that's on Shutter. So if you have Shutter, you can watch it on there. White Fire from 1985. That's going to be on Arrow. The Jesus Rolls from earlier this year. That's the spinoff. Big Lebowski oh spinoff. Oh that actually like, came and went. Yeah, that came that came out and it's gone. It didn't look good. It looked it actually looked really, no. really, really bad. <laughs> like yes. the, the, the looked very low quality. And, and John Turturro, I believe, directed that too. So I don't know what happened there. Oh boy, uh, greed is coming out. I was interested in this. This is the one with Steve Coogan. Looks pretty funny. I didn't even know that came out. Um, that's about it. What about Criterion's? Wow. Uh, we have one, but it's a biggie. The, the box set, Eric Rummer's Six Moral Tales, which has been on Criterion before. But I guess just, you know, getting that that uh, new Blu-ray, three-disc. How excited are you for that Bruce Lee box set? Oof. There. there. Oh, oh. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider giving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Music